0: Hello everyone and welcome to Oki OK Investigations, my name is Trevor Shelby. The spooky times are almost here, and that means we're telling haunted stories once again. But seriously folks, thank you, thank you all for joining us for our 2021 spooky time episodes. This October is very special to me and I'm ready to tell a few more spooky stories from my home state and perhaps elsewhere as well. But let's talk a little bit about myself because that's kind of how I am. I'm an Oklahoman who loves to investigate crimes that's happened in my state and across the United States. I have a bachelor's degree in criminal justice and a love for true crime. The stories that are featured on this show are true stories. The narrative of each episode comes from extensive research through police reports, trial notes, appeals, personal counts, news reports, seances, witches trials, and much, much more. Parts of the story may contain opinions and speculations and should be taken as such. For more information on each story, join us on our webpage, truecrime.blog, where you will see some of the things that we've gathered for each show. This includes a timeline of events, newspaper clippings, court documents, and a whole lot more. Come check us out at truecrime.blog and our Facebook page, Okie Investigations. These stories depict violent crimes of all types, and may be a trigger for some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Today, we're taking a deep dive into a phenomenon that's been recorded for over 120 years. We are going to take a look at the Tri-State Spook Light. This light has been seen in Oklahoma, Kansas, and Missouri. This is typically in the area of Hornet, Missouri, just over the Oklahoma border. This is why the light carries many names the Tri State Spook Light, the Hornet Spook Light, and the Ozark Spook Light, and many others. In this episode, I will uncover the earliest recordings of the Spook Light that I could find, and many places that it's been spotted and what's been done to better understand it. We will read the many first-hand testimonials of those who have seen it and actually believe in it. Now, I want you all to know that I have a hard time believing in these things for many reasons. When you have a story of ghosts and goblins roaming through the night, I typically think, well, that's that's what that is. That's a good story. Just that. It's just a story. But there have been so many sightings with the spook light that's just hard to dismiss. There's also this factor of documentation through the years. And what I hope I can accomplish in this episode is for you to understand how much this has been recorded over the years. I am a research person. I do not use Google to write my episodes. I look at many different factors and sources, and I see my story's narrative come out from that. And that's what I put down and cover for you all in each story that we've done. But with a ghost story, it's really hard to go that deep into research. But I was happy to see that this was not the case here. I found plenty for us to go over. First off, let's start with some of the lore that's behind the lights. So you actually understand what these spook lights really are. Now, there are several stories that go along with the spook lights, but there are three that we see become main theories in our ghostly tales. The first story is about two Native Americans. One is a warrior. The other is his lover. Something caused one of them to decide to jump off of a bluff called Lover's Bluff. So the surviving person took out a lantern and started looking for their lost lover. To this day, they're still out there looking for them, holding the lantern high, walking around in their ghostly form. This story is pretty interchangeable, uh, whether it's the warrior that jumps to his death or it's his lover that jumps to their death. Jumping from the bluff is, you know, it's one of them does it. The other one goes looking for the other one. Okay. The following two stories are very similar. They both start with a warrior, and one tells it's a Native American, and the other, it's actually a soldier from the Civil War. He goes to war and has his head cut off. His body has returned to Earth And he's holding a lantern, walking around the area, always looking for his severed head. You get the story, though. The light is a lantern in each one, and the ghosts are just looking for someone or something, which is typically their head. The first time I could really find in Oklahoma's history that I could find anything that even mentioned the words spook light was May 3rd, 1901. It was the front page article in the paper called The Headlight. It was from Carmen, Oklahoma. This town is actually further west and is not near the tri-state area that we'll focus on. But I found this very interesting and it's an excellent example of what people are seeing. If you want to see this article for yourself, make sure you check out the blog post at truecrime.blog where you can read this and many other articles on this subject. Here is the article. A spook light. Quite an excitement has been caused in the neighborhood, six miles east of town, during the past two weeks by an appearance of a mysterious light. On the farm of Miss Effie Norton, the light was seen nearly every night, sometimes in the shape of a dog, and sometimes in some other form. This light was, by many timid and superstitious people, attributed to some supernatural power. Some daring young men in the neighborhood decided to probe the mystery and have done so sufficiently to satisfy themselves that the light was manipulated by some ordinary human agency for the express purpose of scaring certain people. Further developments. May be expected soon. This story was fascinating because the light was present, but it was also taking on different shapes, which is not typical of the spook light. So they saw a dog and some other things. After a few days, it says some young men went to go see the light and they tried to find out what was causing it. And they came back believing this was man-made to scare some of the locals. There was actually a response to this article found in the Okean Eagle, published on May 10th, 1901. The Augusta headlight tells of a spook light on the claim of a young lady near that town. Someone wants to claim, at a low price, a few charges of buckshot in the vicinity of the light would cure that desire. This is actually a pretty typical response that I would expect to see. Uh, the writer is basically calling bs on the light and saying that it would quickly end the show if they just shot in its direction (laughs) which chances are maybe that would end the show (laughs) but i found something pretty interesting here um 20 years later there is another sighting in one of the three states and it's also further west of the tri-state area This time, we're going to be in Reno County, Kansas. This is just north of the siding in Carmen, Oklahoma. Uh, This was written in the Enid Daily Eagle on November 17th, 1922. A Reno County girl, Miss Geneva Snuff of Sylvia, when she signed her contract to teach school in southwest Kansas near Elkhart, did not know that her schoolhouse was supposed to be haunted by a ghost light. But other teachers found it out and fled before the phenomena, and the school board, in hiring Miss Snuff, decided not to tell of the disadvantages of the school. The ghost light is described as looking like a reflection of the moon, about the size of a windmill wheel and of a dull red color, shining particularly bright in a dark night. But instead of scaring off Miss Shuff, it made her want to find out just why the light is appearing at various intervals. So she wrote to her brother, Harold Shuff, to come out to her, and together they would stay at the schoolhouse and see just what was causing the excitement. So the town has had trouble hiring teachers because of the ghost light and they've neglected to tell the new out-of-town teacher about it. This could have gone horribly wrong, but it works out well here because Miss Shuff wants to know what is causing the light. So she roped her brother into an adventure because that's what brothers are for. And they try to learn more. And I really like the description here of the spook light. This is gonna be a more typical description of it, kind of a moon orb um various in sizes. I don't know how big a windmill wheel is, uh but that's not a measuring thing that I go by um if you said a banana, i could it was like twelve bananas stacked together, then I would say, "Man, that was a big light, but a windmill wheel i'm 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 sure they're I don't know if they're actually talking about the windmill or some kind of wheel inside. I don't know, um. But the article continues. According to Miss Schuff, the light is not stationary. Sometimes in the schoolyard, other times in adjoining fields. Whatever it is—a spook, a specter, a midnight mirage, or some practical joke—many persons have seen it. In this article were also treated with a first-hand account of the light and its movements. Mr. Crawley, with whom Miss Shuff boards, saw the Spectre lights one night as he was coming home, seemingly dancing ahead of him in the road. Thinking that it might be a reflection of the car lights, Crawley turned his car clear around, but the light was still up the road. When he turned to chase it, it rolled away. For nearly an hour, he chased the rolling light, and then suddenly, it just disappeared. Now then, at the end, we have what they believe is the scientific explanation of the lights. I will say that this is probably going to be the best scientific explanation that you receive, because <laughs> they, they really don't go into a lot of this elsewhere. There's a story that many years ago when the western counties were being opened up that a little town stood on the site of the schoolyard and vicinity. A well was dug just southeast of where the school stands but was not used. An epidemic among the cattle came And many of the carcasses were thrown down this unused well. Now, some of you may wonder why on earth would somebody toss a cow down a well. And I will say that it's because cows are very large and very hard to bury or burn. So if you've got diseased cattle, you're going to be doing one or the other. If you've already got a hole dug that you can just stack cattle in, that's not a bad idea i have family that deals with cattle and they have to dispose of the body one way or the other and usually it's by using like a large backhoe or some kind of digging device and you know it's even now it's not easy work so back then can you imagine so now we're going to go into a little bit further of this explanation with somebody that's kind of in the know so jh Mallinson, superintendent of the united water gas and electric company in hutchinson suggests that the gases from the decomposed carcasses of the many cattle filling the well may be the explanation of the morton county spook light gases from the decomposing matter under certain circumstances causes flickering lights above ground known as ignis fatus this is sometimes known as Will of the Wisp, or Jack-O-Lantern. It is very probable that this is what the people see near that schoolhouse. Imagination does the rest, said Mr. Molinson. So when you look into the Will of the Wisp, you end up going down another rabbit hole that has an entirely new story attached to it, one that is biblical and concerning a blacksmith named Will. Will was not a particularly good person, and when he died, he attempted to get into heaven but was denied. Peter decides that Will deserves a second chance in life and restores him. But Will quickly returns to his evil ways and is cursed by Peter to walk the earth for eternity. So, according to this explanation, The spook light is actually Will walking around with his lantern roaming the earth for all eternity. Now in our story we're here in the 1920s and we're going to jump now another 20 years to 1946. This is when things are really starting to get interesting in the tri-state area. The locals begin seeing spook lights almost every night. This is something that they can count on seeing... And as time goes on, more and more people are traveling to the area just to see the spook light. A high school physics class actually takes a trip out to the area to see if they can find reasons for the lights. But when they get there, they find that there's actually so many people there that are just waiting in their cars. Um, They've got their headlights on, and it's just hard to really see anything. So they only saw a wisp of light, and that was it. But more and more people continue to go out to see the lights. Locals start to get annoyed because the crowds sometimes come and knock on their doors at all times of night, just asking, hey, where can I find the light? I actually found a couple of interesting stories where locals did not want to carry lanterns, like if they were going to the outhouse. They did not want to carry a lantern to go to their outhouse because they were afraid someone would shoot them because people were shooting at the lights. At one point, the army even got involved. They studied the lights for a while and the locals even claimed that the soldiers were also shooting at the lights. Although I have trouble believing this myself. I, I honestly probably, it's probably more likely there were locals there as well shooting at the lights and the army was just whatever about it. Over the next few years, the spooklight sightseers only increase in numbers. By the mid-50s, the crowds were dazzled with even more lights of varying colors. Some of these were found out to be caused by teenagers with flashlights. This was reported in one newsletter on October 12, 1954. Many persons were slightly red faced over a greenish spook light reported floating near Sand Springs. For nearly five nights, hundreds turned out at midnight to watch the strange sight. Officers, reporters, and television cameramen witnessed the strange phenomenon when two high school youths admitted they were the spook light. They did it all with a flashlight covered with green towels. The boys said they were having fun fooling everyone, but the crowds got too big, and they got too scared. Once they were cleared out, the mysterious light again returned, night after night. The light has never harmed anyone, from what I can tell. There was a time when two boys were out to see the light, and when it appeared, they got so frightened that one of the boys fell on the other while holding a pin knife and he stabbed his friend in the leg, and he had to have several stitches to close that wound. But this really is not the light's fault. Many people would suggest that it was the headlights of cars somehow reflecting and creating spook lights, but others would refute this and point out how long this has been going on, long before cars and their headlights lined the roads. By the 1960s, people started trying to profit from the Spook Lights, tourists begin popping up, shops started selling pamphlets and merchandise, and states began to look into whether or not they too could profit from the Spook Lights. But this was argued in the Tonkawa news article written by Bill Roder on July 21st, 1960, that no one owned the Spook Lights and it should always be free. Bill had just come back from seeing the lights with his children and they witnessed the light firsthand. Locals started setting off fireworks in the night sky just to report to others that the lights were visible in their area. Once this happened, the tours would quickly head their way. This article even discussed the fifth story that explains the lights. So this story is kind of similar to the first ones. And here goes. Many years ago, there was a miner in the area. The miner was traveling with his daughter. They were stopped by hostile Native Americans, and his daughter was taken from him. The miner died while looking for his daughter. His ghost still roams the area, holding a lantern high so he could one day find his daughter. This one is interesting because although the ending is always similar, uh, this is the first one not involving a warrior or a soldier of some type. Over the years, the crowds have died down. It seems like every 10 years or so, there are articles about the lights that come up, each one telling the tales of the lights and giving their personal accounts of seeing the mysterious glow. Many just say that it's something... You just got to see to believe. I know I keep saying this, but if you go to our page, truecrime.blog, you'll see the many news articles that we've referenced in this episode, and a lot more we didn't. You could write a book with all the data that we've put into this. I honestly don't know what's causing the lights to appear. It might be swamp gas, as some call it. It could be a ghost, Or whether it's a soldier, Native American, a lover, someone forsaken by God, or a minor, I don't know. It could just be some kind of hoax, but if it's that, they've been keeping up for a lot of years. Either way, I believe it's there, whatever it is. I just don't know why. But my son goes to college out that way. So on a future trip to see him is going to involve visiting the spook lights for myself. It really impressed me that these have been going on for so long and they've been documented so much. I like the wide variety of answers that everyone's come up with and I want to form my own opinion on this as well. So what do you all believe? Let me know. Go to our blog post. You know the website. Uh, or go to our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Okie Investigations. And let me know what you think about the ghost lights. It would be a lot of fun to just kind of go over and see what everyone thinks about this. I'm also going to link to some articles that have also covered the spoof lights. And they have a lot of comments from people that have also gone and seen them in the area. And so... It's really cool to see um, how these people's stories match up with what has been said over time. But I want to thank you guys for joining me today. It's a lot of fun telling these stories. This one was such a gas to... <laughs> this one was such a gas to... <laughs> I can't do it. This one was such a gas to research. <laughs> I will see you guys next time. I believe that our next episode is going to involve a really cool story from the Sooner State. So I will see you guys next time. See ya.